Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. We are living for something bigger than us. We have been called to a mission. And so in this series, we are, I want to talk to you about we are on mission. And it's what defines us. It's what has called us out. Now, a lot of things have changed uh, here since, well, since I've been here for sure. But even lately because of COVID, uh, you know, some of you may not remember this, but we used to pass buckets about somewhere in the service, right? Buckets. And, and it wasn't Kentucky Fried Chicken. It was just you put some money in. And, and then we used to do the Lord's Supper differently. And we used to be able to, I'm still wanting to walk around and give everybody a hug, but they discourage that. And uh, I mean, I just, it's a lot of changes. But no matter what virus comes, no matter what the world around us does, there is one thing that will never change. We have a mission. And that mission is to make disciples. Real simple. I don't know where you work, and if you work in manufacturing or you have a company, I bet you make widgets of some sort, right? Well, let me tell you what our widget is. We're making disciples. It's what Jesus told us 2,000 years ago. It's the last thing he told us before he left. I got a feeling it's going to be the first thing he asks us about when we see him again. And I want to be able to say, yes, 17 years ago this month, I started getting a call. I was still in Louisiana. I started getting a call from a 407 area code. My wife said, I don't know who that is, but they've called more than once. I said, you know, I don't know where 407 is. I have no idea where that is. But it's probably somebody selling siding. Don't answer it. <laughs> and finally, we answered. And I talked to the member of this church who was the chairman of a search committee, a pastor search committee. And he said, David, we've been in your church, and we really believe that God may be wanting you to be our next pastor. We feel that way, and we'd like to talk. This week, I had a conversation with him, that chairman. And he reminded me, he said, I remember one of the first things you asked us was, are we willing to be a church that opens its doors to everybody? Are we willing to be a church who will disciple, make disciples out of everybody? Are we willing, no matter the color, no matter the preference, no matter what, are we willing to reach everybody? And he said, David, you ask us that question. And I hope after these 17 years, you've gotten your answer. You see, 17 years ago, God put on my heart something. And I knew I wasn't going to any church that didn't have the same mission that Jesus gave the church 2,000 years ago. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff we can be doing out there, but there's only one, in my opinion, that matters most, and that is the Word of Jesus. So I want to read with you. Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. This is the way Matthew ends his gospel with these final words. I'd like for you to stand up. Hey, if you're on the stream, you can even stand up. Or if you're watching on TV 45, just honor this. I just think it's the last thing he said to us. And I just pray it'll be the most important thing that we do. 
And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. May God bless his word and God help us to obey it. Amen. Have a seat. So that's the mission. The authority of the mission matters to me. Let me give you an example. If Rachel tells me to do something and then one of you tells me to do something, guess who gets their thing done first? I'm just saying. We honor and obey those that we hold in high regard. Look at what Jesus said. The authority of this mission. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So what's the authority for this mission? Jesus. So it matters. And when Jesus tells me to do something, I, it's, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it any way possible I can do it. Now, there are a lot of great missions, a lot of great organizations out there. But I'm just thinking, if this is what Jesus said, let's, uh, let's start there. Let me read you a mission statement. And I don't know, you may say, oh, that's, that's a great mission statement. It is. That's a pretty good statement. Listen to this. To protect the weak, the innocent, the defenseless from the indignities, wrongs, and outrages of the lawless, the violent, and the brutal. To relieve the injured and oppressed, to succor the suffering and unfortunate, especially the widows and orphans of soldiers. To protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. To aid and assist in the execution of all constitutional laws. To protect the people from unlawful seizure and from trial except by their peers in conformity with the laws of the land. That sound like a pretty good mission? It does to me. And then I know who's behind it. You know who that is? The KKK. If you don't know what the KKK is, you're blessed. For those of us who have experienced that white supremacist hate group, who absolutely is ungodly in the way they value human life, yet their mission sounds good. But when I know who spoke it, uh-uh. Sorry, no matter how beautiful your words, I know what's behind them. Well, let me tell you what's behind the mission of Make Disciples, the most beautiful Savior of the world, the one who has authority in heaven and on earth. There is no greater authority. So why are we doing this? Why are we absolutely going to do this? Because it has the authority of the Lord Jesus. The heart of the mission. What did he tell us to do? Let's go back to it. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's only one verb that's imperative or that's a command. Okay? There's only one thing in this that he commanded. Your clue is that it's in yellow. <laughs> you got it? It's in yellow. There it is. Make disciples. That's the command. That's the imperative. Now, we know this. 
I know I'm talking to you and maybe there's some streaming that have never heard this or maybe some in the room that are just checking us out and we're so glad you're here and so glad you're on the stream or watching TV 45. But for a lot of us that grew up in the church, we know this. But can I tell you what we've done to this? I mean, we've just kind of said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. No big deal. I was at a meeting this week. About 30 pastors met in, in uh, Sanibel at a resort there to talk about church. And we had uh, Will Mancini. Will Mancini is a um, church consultant, very, very well known. Writes a lot of books and has done a lot of uh, work helping churches. So we had a little dialogue around the tables. He put this up with blanks. Okay? Go into all the world and make more. <clears throat> what? Baptizing them in the name of what? And teaching them to what? And so we had a little fun with it of filling in the blanks. Now, I know how Jesus filled them in. But what he asked was, how is your church filling them in? And here's what was the consensus. That most churches are filling them in with things that are good. It's not the mission. Go into all the world and make more worship attendees. Baptizing them in the name of small groups and teaching them to volunteer a few times a month. God help us. Jesus have mercy on us. That's not the mission. Guys, we can't move the finish line. You ever had somebody change the game on you or move the finish line? I was in a race one time. It was a, four, uh, it was a 5K race. It was called the Bullfrog 5K. In Lake Worth, Texas, this was several years ago, many moons ago, as I say, and I'm running, and I'm in a pack, and got some of my friends in front of me and some behind me, and all of a sudden, it split. Some went that way, and some went this way, and I'm like, oh, something can't be right here. Well, what I didn't know is that the group that went left, they didn't know where the finish line was. They went off through a neighborhood. I stayed on the right and got to the finish line where the food was. That's all I was interested in that day. So I stayed on the right. The point is, do you know where the finish line is? Danny read, read something last week. I just thought it was amazing. An email he wrote to help describe this place to somebody who was coming to speak. And the description was accurate. I mean, it was a perfect description of us. But what you need to understand is, that's not the finish line to get people to sit in the, the room. The finish line is not to get people to give and to serve. No, 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 no. It's much bigger. The finish line is to make disciples. But you got to start somewhere, right? And it's awesome who is in the room. It's awesome who calls this place home because it means we've got a starting point. And then from there, we can become more like Jesus together. I used to, when I was building houses in college, um, one of the things that happened to me, and nobody warned me about this, we were framing this house, and it was a big house. And we're framing this house, and this lady, who was the owner, she was the one that was buying the house. Actually, it was a custom build. She comes out to the site, and she's walking around on the slab. And I mean, we're framing, so we got two befores everywhere and two by sixes and everything else. And she looks at me, and I don't know if it's because I was young or what, she goes, is this what it's going to look like? I said, what? She said, is this what it's going to look like? I said, no. <laughs> this is just, these are boards. 
It's going to be finished. This is not what it looks like. And you know what? She kept coming back to the site asking the same question. So if you ask me if this is what we're going to look like, uh-uh. No, we're going to look just like Jesus because that's the goal. We're going to make disciples and let one another know we have a finish line. And the finish line is we are becoming like Jesus. So that's the heart of where we are. What does it mean to be more like Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple if that's the, the big part of this? Well, I'll tell you what it means. Piper got it right. A disciple is someone who learns from him. Who is him? Jesus. To live like Jesus. Now, I don't agree with everything Piper writes. Sometimes I have to read it four or five times, and I still don't understand it. But anyway, I agree with this. A disciple is simply someone who learns. That's the word disciple. The word in Greek, mathetes, means a learner. So basically, if we're making disciples, we're making learners. And we are disciples, which means we're learning. Someone who, because of God's awakening grace, conforms his or her words and ways to the words and ways of Jesus. That's a disciple. That's the finish line. So that's where we're going together. And so our goal is really simple. It was 17 years ago, my heart, when I came here, for everyone who's a member here or who calls this home to become a representative of Jesus and a witness for Jesus leading others to follow him as well. And so for me, Jesus says, that's your mission. And that's the heart of your mission. And by the way, here's the scope. Because all of us like to make disciples of people we like. We like to make uh, disciples of people that are like us. Well, let me show you what he said. The scope of the mission, go therefore make disciples of, say it with me, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So all nations, that would mean all nations? Yeah. You mean nations that we don't agree with? Yep. You mean nations that are against us? Yep. All nations. And by the way, the word all, it's hard to get around that one, isn't it? It's a universal term. We're always taught, don't use universal term because there might be one exception. There are no exceptions. The word nations is literally the word for people. That means all people. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. It doesn't matter the pagan lifestyle that they're living in. It doesn't matter if they're with us or against us. It doesn't matter. All people. That's the scope of it. So basically from our neighborhoods to the nations. And it's a little bit hypocritical if we think, oh, well, we're going to go to the nations. We're sending people to Madagascar. We're sending people to, to Europe and sending people to Asia. And we don't give a rip about a neighborhood across the street. That's a hypocrite. And so what this means to me is it's all people. It's even people in my circle that I don't really care for. I have a mission, and that mission is to help them know Jesus and follow Jesus and become like Jesus. Our work will not be done until all know and follow Jesus, until you can't point to one more person in Orlando that needs to know Christ or needs to follow him, we got work to do. And I don't know about your neighborhood, but I got a few that need a little work. Are you in a neighborhood like that? We have them all around us. 
In fact, I'll be the first to say I'm one of them. I need to be more like him. So I'm on the same journey. So the scope, it's broad. Now, what about the aspects? Because Jesus, he gave us the make disciples part, but then he kind of breaks it down a little bit. This is the aspects of it. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, even at the very end of the age. Now, what I've highlighted in yellow are participles. And I apologize for the grammar lesson, but grammar matters. The imperative verb is make disciples. That's the command. Here are aspects of that or how things maybe we do as a part of that. Number one, go. It's not an imperative. It doesn't mean you have to leave where you are and go somewhere. It, need, it means you have to be willing to leave where you are and go somewhere. But it may mean you have to start across the street. It basically means as you're going. That's the nature of that participle. As you're going. So let's think about it. Just your normal patterns. It means you start with your family. Have you made disciples of your family? Are you helping them understand how to follow Christ? What about your, your friends? Are you making disciples of your friends? I mean, we just skip the people that are closest to us. That's where it starts. It means as you go. Yes, it means Nigeria, but it also means Publix. So wherever we are, that's the process. And what's interesting is proximity is everything. Proximity is everything. Let me explain what I mean. When Jesus made the first disciples, okay, there were 12 of them. Jesus called them to himself. And he said, come follow me. And they did. And so he said, I want to take you through a six-week course. It'll be one hour a week for six weeks, and then you'll be a disciple. Is that how he did it? No. He lived with them. He ate with them. He literally walked with them for three years. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, gosh, I got to go live with somebody? No. I just think in that day, in that time, and for what Jesus wanted to show us as a model, here's what he did. He just said, be with me. How many times in the Gospels does it say with him? They were with him. You see, I think discipleship is something that's not just subjects we teach people. It's a life that we live in front of people. And so one of the things that, that we value is that when people are around us, when they come, when we invite them to come and join us, and, and when they're in our small groups and they're wherever, they see the gospel lived out. The way I like to say it is that everyone needs a safe place to explore faith. The church needs to be that safe place for them to come and explore faith. That's what the go means in terms of just being around us. So let me read you an article I came across. I thought this was very interesting, the timing of it. This is an article that... Um, is an outreach magazine. It's a trade magazine. Some of you in businesses or professions where you have trade magazines. I remember my father-in-law, a physician, used to always hand the American Medical Journal to me. Uh, and I'm like, I don't, why do I need this? 
He said, well, this is stuff we get all the time and we read it to try to be better doctors. Well, this is a magazine to help churches be better churches. It's called Outreach. Listen to the, I'm quoting an article, okay? When a non-Christian is allowed to be a full participant in a community and get an up-close look at what difference the gospel actually makes in people, he or she is given a front-row seat to the working of the Holy Spirit in our midst. To say people who don't yet know whether they want to give their lives to Jesus, you can't serve here, your voice won't be heard, that's a quick way to shut down the process of their discovering whether or not Jesus is even someone they want to give their life to. I once heard he quotes somebody, and the somebody he quotes is from this church. He grew up here, and he pastors a church in California. His name is Erwin McManus. He quotes, the article quotes him. Listen to this. I once heard Erwin McManus say, every truly healthy church has two things, heretics and people who are sexually immoral. To translate, a church that consists of only committed Christians probably has lost sight of its mission and resembles more the frozen chosen than the messy community that God has in mind that journeys with people as they discover Jesus. Invite people to belong to your community even before they believe and taste and see whether or not God is really good. So why do we say people who are not yet convinced can serve? Because there are places in this church you can serve. There are places that you need to be a full, mature follower of Christ to teach and to be in leadership. That's reserved for those who are mature and those who have grown in the faith and the likeness of Jesus. But we have places, all kinds of places, for people to serve. Because we think when they get around us, they're going to want to know more about the Jesus we love. And they're going to fall in love with him. Did you see the baptism a minute ago? I know sometimes we just kind of watch and we don't even think about it. Heather, 16 years old. She's only been coming less than a year. She told me some stuff about her up there. She said less than a year. And first thing she did, she got involved serving children and special needs children. How cool is that? Yeah. That was her first stop. And in the process... She became convinced, I want to follow Jesus. And you just saw her baptism today. Isn't that an awesome picture of how this works? When people are around us, they sense it. Guys, you know I love to fish. And in fact, speaking of fishing, this was Friday. I just want to say the Lord blessed me. And oh, there it is. Yeah, that's Friday. And we didn't catch a whole lot, but... I caught that one, and I'm thanking God for that one. Now, look at that fish. Does that fish look like it's already been cleaned, ready to eat? No. One thing I've noticed about fishing, I've never caught one that was already cleaned. <laughs> so why do we want people to clean up their life before they ever come here to find Christ? That's not how it works. In other words... Man, let's start where people are, which is messed up lives. And let's walk together with them. That's what it means to go. It means, hey, come on, I'm going, you're going with me, and we're going somewhere really good because we are becoming disciples of Jesus. And by the way, we baptize them. That's the second participle in this, baptizing them in the name. I got something I want to throw out to you. Do you believe that Matthew 
was intending all Christians to hear Jesus and all Christians to obey this? Everybody, raise your hand. Okay. For those that didn't raise their hand, Lord, help them, please understand. <laughs> you know what you just said? You just said, I'm willing to be in the water with somebody getting baptized. You're willing to be an influence. We want you to be with someone you help come know, to know faith in Christ. And we believe if you're wanting to take that step, who is it that helped you to come to the place of belief? Then let them be in that water. I remember one time we had an entire life group up there. And, and the water level kept going up and up and up. And I'm just praying the Lord's going to overflow it. And we're going to have people every time, just like you saw a minute ago. Heather's neighbors invited her. So it's only natural they were standing there with her. I just think the command is, I mean, the, the mission is make disciples. And one of the things we need to do is baptize. Because that's the one expression of following Christ that we can see. And then the other thing we need to do is teach them. Go back to the yellow. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, I want to explain this. The goal is not get them in the room. The goal is not even to just get them baptized and say, okay, I caught one. That's it. Nope. Don't move the finish line. The finish line is make disciples. Teaching is how they get there. Guys, we have one of the greatest books to help people know how to think like Jesus, how to respond as Jesus did, how to walk with Jesus. It's here. We have this book. He wrote it. So what we're committed to do is to teach. Now, let me tell you, in the New Testament, there's a word that describes this process, and it's called sanctify. Sanctify. It's a big word. I know it sounds churchy, but all it means is growing in the likeness of Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. And basically, I'll tell you something about the New Testament that I realized, and, and I'll dare you, anybody find the page, and I'll eat the page that's on. If you can find one example of somebody in the New Testament that was sanctified or in the process of being sanctified, and they were outside the church, they're not there. Every person, every sinner, started inside the church becoming more like Christ. They weren't made to wait out there until they get their life cleaned up and fixed and then welcomed in. No, God does that. God does a lot better at that than we do. So what do we do? We bring them in. We teach them. We show them, hey, let's follow this. Let's walk after this. So that's the mission. Those are the aspects of it. And the power for you to do it, lo, I'm with you always. Go back to the text. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. So let me ask you, what else do you need other than the presence of the one who created the heavens and the earth and the one who saved you and the one who is preparing a place for you in heaven. I mean, all that we know about Jesus, do you need anything else other than Jesus for you to make disciples? No. To give an answer, yes, would be heresy. But then that would make us a normal church. We have heretics and whatever. But seriously, all of us, we have what it takes. We have Jesus with us. And our goal and our commitment is to help you and us encourage one another to make disciples.
disciples. This, this part really assures me that I can do it. Because when I hear him say, I'm with you always, I remember what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell can't stand against it. So if hell can't stand against us, well, who can? What can? We can do this. And so let me apply it this way. How are we going to do this together? How about this? I think what is very interesting about this passage, as important as it is, Jesus doesn't mention one strategy or one method. He didn't. He didn't mention. He just said, make disciples and make sure you baptize them and teach them everything I've taught you. He didn't give us any strategy. You know why? Because it changes. I'm, I'm not going to disciple people like you might. And that's okay. Because we're different. I mean, we have different personalities, and so it's going to come across different. But that's okay. We still have the same mission. And even churches are not going to do it the same way. I just wish churches wouldn't turn on each other and fight one another because we don't do it the same way. It's okay. Just follow Jesus. Let God show us and let the Spirit lead you. So we want to help. I think personally, one of the things that, that we want to do is we want to provide a way for you to personally help people follow Jesus and help them learn about Jesus. Now, we do this through a lot of things. I'll give you one good way to do it. Just reach out and invite people to come to church with you. Uh, do what Heather's neighbors did. Just invite somebody at work, somebody you know, and just say, hey, I want you to come with me. That's, that's a great start. Now, remember, that's not the finish line, but it's a great start. What about if you were willing to take them to a Bible study? What if you were willing to say, hey, let's, let's get together and we'll, we'll study the Bible together. Get four or five people together and say, hey, break, we're going we're gonna to have a Bible study. Man, I, I've heard so many stories of that happening all over. My son, who works in construction, he's the superintendent with Junior Davis Construction. He, he was telling me the other day about some Bible studies they have at, at lunch break. And sometimes they pray for one another and even talked about how he's doing a Zoom group. And, and so, because some of the guys live far apart, and so they're getting together on Zoom, and they're, they're doing a, a group together. Listen, there's so many ways you can do that. And I'll just say this. If you have a desire, you know, I'd really like to, to make a disciple I feel like I'm at a place I want to share what I've learned about following Jesus. Because really a disciple is somebody learning. Making disciples is when you feel like I can share that with somebody. We want to help you. You can text. You probably knew it was coming. Text the word connect. To what number? There you go. That's it. Get you in the gates of heaven. It'll get you to the right place here. 40777. And what's going to happen is you'll see a place to say, I, I, want, I want to know more about how I can actually help someone to become a disciple. Now, corporately, what are we doing? Everything we can. We provide groups. We provide opportunities for you to go Bible studies. There's some great ladies Bible studies happen during the week. And there's other men's groups that are meeting. I mean, there's all kinds of ways. This church has built an infrastructure for you to be a part of growing. I've always said about this church, if you come here and you're not growing, it's like starving to death in Publix. I don't know what's wrong. There's something wrong. We got food, and I want it to be accessible. 
So as a church, we're going to do that. And guess what? We're going to do it as far out there as we can. We've got folks in Madagascar. We've got folks in Central Asia. We've got folks all over the world. And by the way, do you know how many people last year we had a part in their baptism? And it doesn't count any of our campuses. You know, we've started four campuses in the last seven years. Outside of this one, we started four more in the last seven years. But even taking that out, all the baptisms that you and I have had a part of last year, it's almost a thousand people were baptized because of the influence and the desire of this church. It's like 965 or something. So what I'm saying is there are ways as a church we're going to do this. We're going to build the infrastructure. We're going to see how many people that we can bring to know him. And some of them, we have to go to them. So guess what? We're going to partner with the church plants going down Lake Buena Vista area. We're going to actually partner with NAM, North American Mission Board, to look at planting a church on the campus of UCF. We are looking at places in this city. So how can we have a witness there? How can we have a presence there? And we'll never stop that. Here's the only question. Are you willing to go on that journey with us? Are you willing to make disciples? That's the mission. And that's the finish line. And I'll tell you how we're going to get there. Paul said it this way. So what if you've got spiritual gifts and you can speak with tongues of men and angels, but you don't have love? You're a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. I know why people want to come and visit with us, hang out with us, whatever, is because they feel loved. I know why people want to hang out with you at break, in the break room and other places because they feel loved. Let's love them in Jesus' name all the way to the finish line, making disciples of people. I want us to bow together. As our heads are bowed, is there anyone in this room or on this stream that you need to know Christ? We want to pray for you and help you. Is there anyone that says, you know what, I need to do that. I can do that. And you're willing to take that step. I just want to pray for you. Because I know it, it, you feel like it's over your head. It's, it's, I can't understand it. It's too complicated. Well, Jesus is with you. He'll help you figure it out. Lord, I just want to thank you for this church. And I want to thank you for a mission that you've clearly given us. And Lord, we get to spend the rest of our days doing this together. So Lord, give us grace and strength to remember our mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.